Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Grab your ticket, get on board. We're firing up the engine, and we roll down the track. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith, because the show is starting next. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I know it's been since last week. But hey, we're on track now. And there are quite a few topics to get to. And I have a lot to do and a little time to do it. In case you were watching, yes, last night was Thursday night football and the Rams put it on the Patriots 24-3. With that win, the Rams improved to 9-4 while the Patriots stand at 6-7. and seven. But there have been some Stories making the headlines, so we're going to get to those this morning. In a timely fashion, in the time that we have allotted for us, the first thing I want to look at is what's ailing Duke and Kentucky hoops. What's ailing Duke and Kentucky hoops? As a matter of fact, opposing coaches on what's wrong with Duke. So let's see what other coaches have to say as to what they think is going on with Duke and Kentucky. If I can pull that up here and we will get this fired up. This is the freshman Adam Miller. Pass. Kick out opposite. Williams buries a three. Demonte Williams, the son of former Illinois great Frank Williams. From the hard-charging Jalen Johnson. Duke's offense been sluggish early. There's a takeaway. Williams, left hand. It'll go. I forget that one loss they had was to Baylor. And Baylor is outstanding. I mean, they're national champion good. Goldberg, good body control for the big guy. An area that Mike Krzyzewski feels like needs to get polished up a little bit. And he's got to be their leading scorer. He's their best shooter. Good move. Carvello and a great feed inside Bishanishvili. 
It may not be quite that good yet, but it, it makes you think about it. Inside, Bishanishvili rejects it. Way off the mark. And now they got numbers. Bishanishvili with the throw down. Sumu spinning. Frazier inside. That'll go right hand. Well done. A fist fight every night for Big Ten. Bellows. Offensive rebound. Plus one. He'll go to the line. Bello able to break the pressure. And the two big guys connect. Great job by Goldwire to stop that drive by DeSumo. Boy, DeSumo's had another terrific game. 12 points, 11 rebounds. weaving in and floats at home. We haven't had a national conversation about what we should do, what, what's appropriate. I mean, these players have essentially been essential workers. And let's just say in watching those highlights, Duke looked thoroughly bamboozled, befuddled, lost. After Tuesday night, the, Blue, the Duke Blue Devils and the Kentucky Wildcats are a combined 3-5 entering the weekend with three wins coming against Bellarmine, Coppin State, and Moorhead State. We knew the 2020-21 college basketball season would be weird, but Duke and Kentucky combined three and five after two weeks of the season. Weird. On one hand, it's understandable. Both programs rely heavily on newcomers every season, and a shortened preseason without exhibition games or secret scrimmages makes the development process far more difficult. And to be fair, losses to Kansas, Illinois, Michigan State, and even Richmond aren't going to be frowned upon by most throughout college basketball. Losing to Georgia Tech by 17 points, barely looking competitive against Illinois, that's not what we're used to seeing from Kentucky and Duke teams even this early in the season. So what's going on with the Wildcats and Blue Devils? And can their issues be fixed moving forward? Well, let's first look at Kentucky. Three-point shooting and turnovers. Kentucky's two most obvious weaknesses this season have been three-point shooting and the alarming regularity with which the Wildcats turn the ball over. They're shooting 25.8% from three-point range, a number that looked far worse before they shot eight for 19 from beyond the arc against Georgia Tech. They also ranked number 274 nationally in turnover percentage, giving the ball away on more than a quarter of their possessions. Kentucky has turned it over 73 times in four games and has 47 assists to 73 turnovers. This has been fairly consistent with young Kentucky teams early in the season.
So that's what we have going on right now with Kentucky. Three-point shooting and turnovers. We will get to Duke, but while I'm also rambling through here, how about this right here? Alabama coach Nate Oates asked if Mike Krzyzewski's questions about playing are tied to losses. Now, we know Alabama is known for football. Two non-conference games at home, if you'd still be saying that? Probably not. Okay. I just wanted you to say it, not me. So, I, uh, look, here's here's my deal on it. I think we'd have a whole lot more problems if we weren't playing games. Like, they, they I mean, don't, everybody talks about COVID. Here's the other thing. If COVID is so bad, all these – I'm look, I'm trying to do my best to keep the mask up. I've already had COVID, so I don't even – I technically, I shouldn't have to keep it up. Nobody can get it from me. No, I'm still within the 150 days that the NCAA's recommended. I see all these other guys that haven't had it, and they're masked down the whole game. It's like they got a chin strap on. So if they're really worried about COVID, you'd think their mask would be up the whole, whole game, right? Like, I mean, they so I think some of them are, are using uh, – uh, no, we should be playing, in my opinion. We 100% should be playing basketball. Nobody talks about the mental I, – I, there's a kid out of Detroit that went to another high major that I just talked to his uncle the other day because his, uh, his cousin played for me in Detroit. He went to a high major school somewhere. Mental health issue came home because he was quarantined for weeks on end when he got there. Like, what are, what are these guys going to do? If I got three daughters. Like, I, they they need to be in school. Like, humans aren't made to sit alone in isolation for weeks and weeks on end. We we got to we got to be careful with how we do life, but you still got to do life. Part of life, a huge part of life for all these guys I'm coaching is being in the gym playing basketball. So. I think their mental health is in a much better spot playing basketball. I think the school, the SEC, the NCAA has done a really good job making sure that we're not putting any of them in danger. So, I no, I don't agree with them at all. And I, you answered the question for me. So that was Nate Oates. Does he make some valid points? That's neither here nor there. It depends on which side of the fence you're on. But Alabama coach Nate Oates seemed to question Mike Shashesky's motives after the Dukes, after the Duke coach called for a reassessment about playing college basketball during a pandemic, openly wondering whether the comments were triggered by a pair of losses for the number 10 Blue Devils. He says, do you think if Coach K hadn't lost two non-conference games at home that we would be that we would still be saying that. And he will say, Oats. Okay. There we go.
if we can pull that back up. There we go. He says, do you think if Coach K hadn't lost his two non-conference games at home that we would still be saying that Oak City the News Conference Thursday adding, we 100% should be playing basketball following his team's 83-68 loss to number six Illinois on Tuesday, Duke's second non-conference home loss this season. Krzyzewski urged college basketball officials to reassess the state of the sport following a series of cancellations and postponements, including a highly anticipated matchup between number one Gonzaga and number two Baylor on Saturday in Indianapolis. Duke's loss to Illinois was the team's largest non-conference home loss under Shesky. Losses to Michigan State and Illinois this season have doubled the total non-conference home losses Duke has had over the past 20 years. Shesky has questioned the decision by the NCAA officials, including Senior Vice President of Men's Basketball, Dave Gavitt, in recent months. He previously said the NCAA should be open to moving the tournament back months after requesting an all-inclusive postseason with every team in the country invited. Overall, his message has centered on criticism of the leadership governing the sport in a pandemic. He says, I would just like for the safety and mental health and the physical health of our players and staff to assess where we're at, Shusevsky said on Thursday. And said Thursday, in our country today, you have two thousand deaths a day. You have two hundred thousand cases, a million and a half last week. You have people saying that the next six weeks are going to be the worst. To me, it's already pretty bad. On the other side of it, there are these vaccines that are coming out. People are saying that by the end of the month, twenty million vaccine shots will be given. In February, another 100 million. Well, should we not reassess that and see what would be best? The only power the NCAA has at this point in the season is to make changes to the format and timing of the postseason tournament. NCAA officials recently announced plans to keep the tournament in March and host all 68 teams in one city, possibly. Indianapolis, at a variety of venues. So, sound like one coach who has yet to make a name for himself is calling out a coach who has won more championships than maybe this guy will ever even sniff. So as we kind of bounce around some things here, in case you were sleeping under a rock, there was some college football played last night. And there was definitely some Controversy involved in not the game, 
but in the post game. So let's see if we can pull this up and get your take on it. Effort an interview with Davis. So so that's Coach Narduzzi shaking some hands. It's a bit of a look away. Yeah, I I mean, I understand. Well, well, well. Controversy with a handshake. Who would have thought we would be talking about? With a top-rated app that lets you deposit check. Who would think we'd be talking about the handshake controversy? So, and I would like to thank my alarm for going off and reminding me that it's time to get up. So just bear with me. We'll be right back to this topic. That's the one nice, unique thing about doing a podcast at 530 in the morning when you don't have your device close by. Chances are things like that will happen. And this is the first. I'm not used to doing a podcast at five o'clock in the morning. I'm used to hitting the snooze button and getting up at this particular time. But evidently, tempers flared throughout Pittsburgh's 34-20 victory over Georgia Tech on Thursday night in Atlanta, including a scrum near the Panthers sideline that resulted in unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on both teams. Afterward. Tech coach Jeff Collins had a terse meeting at the center of the field with his Panthers counterpart, Pat Narduzzi. Collins extended his hand for a shake, but quickly snatched it away and left Narduzzi looking befuddled. I told him, hey, you got a great team, Narduzzi said. He said baloney or some other nice words and walked off. I don't know. I thought it was a good game. Collins insisted that he didn't intend to get into it with Narduzzi. I was just focused on getting our guys over to the band to celebrate, Collins said. I don't even remember what I said, to be honest with you. But what a... (laughs) Kind of remind me of uh, the game, I think it was Detroit Lions. I forgot who they were playing against, but... That handshake was a little bit more volatile, <laughs> but that one was like, okay, whatever, I'm gone, bye. Like a sign of poor sports, so to speak. Well, anyway, I have spent 19 minutes of your time in this first segment. Basically talking about 
probably nothing that you want to hear about. But if you hang around for the next segment, I'm pretty sure that I will talk about a little bit of something that you do want to hear about. So what I'm going to do right here is I'm going to pause and put in a word from my sponsor. And when I come back, I will have some more for you. So stay tuned. The train is just now building up some steam. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. So welcome back in to the second episode and we hope to have things in a better situation than they were that first segment as my communications device was not at its best for lack of better terminology. I want to look at some NBA right about now. Because there were some, there were some eye-popping contracts or a contract that was inked, and also some words that were said by one particular player who not only opened his mouth, but like some fines were issued as well. So. We're going to look at this because, trust me, Kyrie Irving has to be in the center of it. So let's pull up this story real quick to let you know Kyrie Irving and Brooklyn Nets each fine 25000 over guards' refusal to talk. Understand that when we look at KD, knowing that KD is coming off an Achilles tear, we expect him to average 25 because I think he could do that on one leg in his sleep. He's that lethal offensively. But guess what? Okay? The fact of the matter is when we talk about the Brooklyn Nets uh, being a title contender, KD is going to give you what KD is going to give you. The question is, what's Kyrie going to give you? Is he going to play more than 20 games? Is he going to have a negative effect on the locker room? I never said that about him, but you have, Max. So if you've got those kind of questions about his attitude and his health, okay, we know what Kyrie can do in terms of being a showstopper. But even when he was on the court and he was a showstopper, you talked about how the team looked better without him because they said they stood around and played the role of spectators when he was on the court with them. So is that going to be a similar circumstance with KD there? I don't think so, but it's going to be scrutinized. And if the Brooklyn Nets are struggling, they ain't gonna look at KD. Ain't nobody gonna look at KD. Nobody gonna look at KD and be like, what's KD doing? We know what he's going to do because we know what he's always done. The question is, who's going to perform around him? And we ain't going to blame Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert for any kind of troubles they have. We're going to look right at Kyrie Irving. Understand that when... So there's Stephen A. Smith weighing in. So Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets each have been fined 25000 by the NBA for failure to comply with the league's media rules. 
The fines result from Irving's refusal on several occasions this week to participate in the team media availability, the NBA said in a statement Thursday. Kind of sounds like Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. <laughs> anyway, the NBA requires that healthy players be made available to reporters before or after games and practice. Typically, the league also has teams set aside one day at the beginning of training camp for every player on the roster, as well as the general manager and coach to speak to reporters this this year, the league's coronavirus protocols limit the number of players allowed in the facility at any given time. The teams have been making a handful of players available each day. Irving has declined numerous requests to speak to reporters, including those from ESPN, since the beginning of training camp on December the 1st. The guard released a brief statement Friday instead of doing a traditional news conference. Instead of speaking to the media today, I am issuing this statement to ensure that my message is properly conveyed. Irving's statement said, in part, I am committed to show up to work every day, ready to have fun, compete, perform, and win championships alongside my teammates and colleagues in the Nets organization. That statement did not fulfill the league's media requirements. Irving, 28, joined the Nets in 2019 on a four-year deal at $141 million a $141 million deal. The $25,000 fine amounts to less than 1% of of Irving's annual pay. For a player to file a grievance, the NBA would have to fine the player more than $50,000, according to ESPN's Bobby Marks. The Nets are scheduled to play their first preseason game Sunday against the Washington Wizards. Also, in other NBA-related news, Joel Embiid moving on from past harsh words from new Philadelphia 76ers assistant. Last season, then Indiana Pacers assistant coach Dan Burke wasn't much of a fan of Philadelphia 76ers star Joel Embiid. These days, however, Embiid said things are a lot different for one big reason. They're on the same team. It's easy to say stuff when you're playing against somebody, Embiid said with a smile after Thursday's practice. I'm sure no one likes to play against me because all I do is I either score or get fouled. I know the rules and stuff. I just take advantage. play my game based on that. If someone wants to reach, I'm going to get fouled and I'm going to get to the free throw line. It's harder when you play against somebody that plays that way. But when you're actually on the same team, I'm sure he's going to love it. We're going to get fouls. We're going to foul people out. We're going to get to the free throw line. We're going to score a lot of points. It's going to be fun. It was not fun for Burke and the Pacers to face Embiid last year, particularly after the Sixers beat the Pacers 119-116 on November 30th, 2019, in a game Embiid finished with 32 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals in 33 minutes while going 15 for 15 from the free throw line. Wow. Two days later, Burke, in an interview with the Pacers' television partner, didn't mince his words over how he felt about Embiid. I hate that team, Burke said. I really want to win that game. I think Embiid gets away with a bunch of crap the league ignores, and it would have been good, would have been a good one to just walk away from. 
Burke, long regarded as one of the NBA's best defensive assistant coaches, was hired by Doc Rivers to helm that side of the ball during the offseason. And MB said he has grown quite close with Burke already. He said Burke has pushed MB to be more aggressive going out to meet the ball in pick and roll defensive coverages as opposed to doing what MB prefers, which is dropping back to the rim. We're great. MB said, I think he's a great guy. We've actually been very close since we got here. Since we got here. I think him and the whole coaching staff is going to kind of look at me kind of to be the driving force on the defense, especially when we talk about being defensive player of the year, just making sure we have the best defense in the league protecting the rim, which I mean the past couple of years when I've been on the floor, we've always had most likely the best defense in the league. So they're going to look for me to keep it going and keep that same energy. So there you have that NBA news concerning Irene and the Nets and Joel Embiid and his newfound relationship with assistant coach Dan Burke. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do right here now. I am going to, I guess I'm going to keep this thing rolling at least for another maybe 10 minutes. As we look at the NFL last night, as you heard me say earlier in my first segment, that the Rams pretty much manhandled the Patriots. But Belichick makes it clear that Cam's our quarterback. I will get to that. I will get to that. But what I want to do is just go ahead and give you the rundown of the games coming up this Sunday. Got Kansas City at Miami, 11 and 1 Kansas City at 8 and 4. God, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get used to saying that. At 8 and 4 Miami. Then you have the. Well, how can I describe this? Uh, the two teams going nowhere bowl between the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals. It's any team's. Game to lose. As the three and nine Cowboys take on the two nine and one Cincinnati Bengals. Then you have the eight and four Tennessee Titans going up against the one and eleven Jacksonville Jaguars. And then in more games you have the six and six Arizona Cardinals. Can they hold their own against the New York? Don't call us little Giants, who 
very quietly now is sitting at five and seven and could be in control of the NFC least. Interesting. You have the four and eight Houston Texans taking on the five and seven Chicago Bears. And I asked the question, is it time for them to pull the plug on Matt Nagy? Then you have the four and eight Denver Broncos against the team with the same record, the Carolina Panthers. You have the six and six Minnesota Vikings going up against the seven and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm pretty sure this next game right here is going to have some playoff and most likely seeding implications moving forward. You have the 8-4 Indianapolis Colts against the 7-5 Las Vegas Raiders. And this is the Lottery Bowl game right here. The 0-12 Jets against the 8-4 Seattle Seahawks. We'll just go ahead and chalk it up as another guaranteed loss for the Jets. In the chase for Trevor Lawrence. And close out, you have the 4-8 Atlanta Falcons against the 3-9 Atlanta. Against the, you have the Atlanta Falcons, 4-8 against the 3-9 Los Angeles Chargers. So there is your Sunday uh, football lineup. Well, let me, that is not your lineup. You have New Orleans at 10-2 against Philadelphia. And what is going on in Philadelphia? Ten and two New Orleans against three eight and one Philadelphia. You also have nine and three Green Bay going up against five and seven Detroit Lions. Another team that's fighting for a playoff berth in that NFC lease is the five and seven Redskins going up against the five and seven. Wait a minute, did I say Redskins? See, I'm so used to saying that. The five and seven Washington football team. It's not like I'm going to get in trouble for saying that name. Against the five and seven San Francisco 49ers. And we finally get to see what the Pittsburgh Steelers is really made out of. For the longest, you heard Mike Thomason saying, the only thing perfect about this team is our record. Well, now they are the 11-1 and Pittsburgh Steelers, and now we get to see what their mental resolve is, if they can bounce back because they play against somebody this week, the 9-3 Buffalo Bills. So that should be a fun game. That's the Sunday night game. It should be a dandy, which I will probably watch that with some interest. So, as I said, Belichick makes it clear that Cam is our quarterback. New England's Bill Belichick says, 
Cam Newton will remain the starting quarterback. So Bill is sticking with his main man. As we will effort this audio from last night's game. Second and nine from the Rams 12 yard line. Play action, screen right. It's intercepted. Kenny Young down the left side. He hits midfield. Needs a block. Young to the inside. Now back to the outside. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, LA! On the first play of the second quarter, Kenny Young takes it to the house. In their blue pants, white jerseys, a play fake. Pressure by Brockers. He piles on Newton and sacks him inside the 15-yard line. Fourth sack of the season for Michael Brockers, who broke in untouched. I mean, what a huge play here by Michael Brockers, the LA 44. Newton back to throw. Has to step up to avoid pressure. Could not get away from Aaron Donald. Throws him to the turf by his shoulder pads. Second sack of the drive for the Rams. Twelfth of the season for Aaron Donald to lead the NFL. Down in four. Snap back to Newton. The Rams send for Newton with the walls caving in. Is hit and dropped at the 29. It's another sack for Brock. His fourth and fifth of the season. Here's the first snap of a new drive. Rams send the blitz. Newton feels it. He's hit. He's sacked again. Kenny Young, who has an interception return for a touchdown, around the left side to collect it. Second and nine. Newton was just basically brutalized last night. However, New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick decisively said he isn't changing quarterback after pulling Cam Newton early in the fourth quarter of Thursday night's 24-3 road loss to the Los Angeles Rams. Cam's a quarterback, Belichick said in his post-game news conference, cutting off the question to give his answer. Newton finished 9 of 16 for 119 yards against the Rams, with one costly interception that was returned 79 yards for a touchdown as the Patriots' passing offense sputtered once again. He was replaced by Jarrett Stidham with 10 minutes 14 seconds remaining in the and the Patriots trailing 24-3. Stidham, the 2019 fourth-round draft trust from Auburn, had been a top candidate to be Tom Brady's replacement at the start of the season before Newton signed a one-year contract on July the 8th. As why he wouldn't now switch to Stidham and what Newton has shown for Belichick to stick by him, Belichick simply said, he's our quarterback. I think I just, I think I just answered that one. The Patriots six and seven still. <laughs> I couldn't refuse doing my Belichick impersonation. Let me do that again. Belichick simply said, "He's our quarterback." I think I just answered that one. Anyway, 
The Patriots 6 or 7 still have slim odds to qualify for the postseason, with ESPN's Football Power Index giving them a 6% chance. They visit the Miami Dolphins 8 and 4 on Sunday, December 20th, before finishing with back to back home games against the Buffalo Bills 9 and 3 and the New York Jets 0 and 12. As for Newton, he has been most effective as a rusher this season, totaling 451 yards on 113 carries with 11 touchdowns. So when opponents limit Newton's rushing yards, and by extension, the Patriots' overall running game, the offense hasn't consistently been able to move the ball through the air. Newton, when asked if he's worried he'll be replaced, said, that's not my call. I'm just doing what I'm asked with the mentality of getting better, and that's what I keep planning on doing. Newton is now 199 of 301 for 2,172 yards passing on the season with five touchdowns and 10 interceptions. That coupled with Belichick twice pulling Newton, 31, late in blowout losses has sparked questions about the possible change. Ask if he is happy with Stidham's development and what he has seen from him this season. Belichick said, yeah, Jared has worked hard. He tries to take advantage of his opportunities, but that's not really the point. Newton has been playing through an abdomen injury the past two games, but said it wasn't affecting him on the field. We just got to be better, and it starts with me personally, he said. Just have to make more plays, and that's what it comes down to. Well, now my time has come to an end. I hope you have enjoyed the ride on this train. Please leave a comment, like it, whatever you want to do. Share it, play it over as many times as you like. But it's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. This train will be coming back down the tracks.